0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California.
1: Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Good evening.
0: So tonight, uh, the topic is renunciation. Um, even though it's the, uh, third of a 10-week series on the Parmes, it's, uh, it's a topic that can absolutely stand alone. Um, but I just wanted to review what the paramis are so that you have a continuation uh, between, for those of you who've been taking the whole series. Um, the paramis are qualities uh, of character that lead to awakening. They're qualities that we all have. Um, there's 10 of them. And we have them developed at different levels. Like for some people, for instance, um, they've really developed their generosity. Um, but they don't have a lot of uh, equanimity in their lives, um, and so that's uh, it, so. Sometimes we have a balance, a different balance. We each of us, each of us has a different balance of these qualities, um, and whenever we work on one of these qualities, uh, it helps all the other ones. It's a really wonderful feedback mechanism. And so just to briefly rename the qual- these qualities, um, there's generosity, virtue, renunciation, which is tonight, uh, wisdom, energy, patience, which is definitely needed for everything, uh, truthfulness, determination, loving kindness, and equanimity. Um those qualities, what's interesting about these qualities, the reason we call them, uh, paramis, paramis means, uh, perfections. Um, for instance, you could be, determination is one of them. You could be very determined, uh, a bank thief. You know, it's, um you know, so, so we call them paramis when they're in relation to our freedom and our lasting happiness. Uh, so we're looking at a very specific side of these qualities. Um, for instance, somebody could be very generous, you know, but they're uh, or appear, give a lot of money away. But what they're really doing is they're trying to be somebody really important, you know. So these are really qualities of the heart, qualities that we that we want to develop for our own personal freedom. Um, most people, may, many people, not most people, have. A negative association with the word renunciation. Um, There is a cartoon strip. um, I don't know if um, anyone's familiar with it, uh, Hagar the Terrible. And um, it's got four panels. You know, the first panel, Hagar is struggling climbing up a mountain. Um, The second panel, he gets to the top. And there's this uh, wise sage with a flowing beard sitting there meditating. And he says to him, um, you know, oh, you know, please teach me the secret to happiness. And uh, on the next panel, uh, the sage says um, simplicity, self-restraint and renunciation. On the next panel, Hagar says, Is there anybody else I can talk to up here? (laughs) So so many of us have, um, you know, that cultural association with renunciation as something kind of unpleasant. So I'm curious, how many of you here have uh, a little bit of a negative association with the word? So, a few. Um, So, you know, to renounce is to let go or give up something. And it's if we give up something it means we're holding on to it. So it's something we actively have to do is give it up. Uh it's something we like, something we want, something that has a special meaning for us. And some letting go is something we'd rather not do. That's why we're holding on to it. We feel a resistance to doing it. Um But the interesting thing about renunciation in the context of our practice is that the purpose of renunciation is to get something better. So most of us are willing to, you know, if you've got... you know, if, if if you were dealing with money, you know, and, and you have a dollar and somebody says, well, I'll give you two, you know, it's it's no brainer. You know, you'll take the two dollars. Uh, so in the same way, you know, what really when we really examine what we're holding on to um, and we can see that by letting go of many of the things we hold on to, we can get a greater happiness. Uh, then it becomes a really obvious natural thing that we do. Um, and so renunciation is really something we do for our own happiness, for our own freedom. Um, the Buddha said, if one sees that a greater happiness is found by letting go of a lesser one, the wise person will let go of the lesser happiness. That's from the Dhammapada so if um, renunciation isn't bringing you happiness and uh, greater happiness it means you're not paying attention to something you're doing you're clinging somewhere um, so it needs to be re you know really uh, investigated um, on a very gross material level i many of you have had the experience of um, cleaning out a closet with lots of stuff you attach to, and, you know, kind of deliberating on each piece. Oh, should I keep this? Should I let it go? And, you know, you finally, you know, take take a trunk load of stuff to the Salvation Army, and, and it just feels really nice. Wow, got rid of all that junk. And a year later, how many of you still remember what it was you let go of? You know, that badminton racket you hadn't played for 20 years. Um so renunciation can be either internal, external, or both. Um, for instance, in, internal can be um, can take the form of accepting what's unavoidable. Now that doesn't sound like renunciation in a certain way, but for instance, um, let's say um, something you love broke. You know, and, um, you know, you're you're it, it was really special to you. You know, it was given to you by your grandmother and it was, you know, it's unfixable and it broke. Now. It's unavoidable. It already happened. But how many of us will contract around that still holding on to the idea that it shouldn't have happened? And so renunciation means actually letting go of the idea that it shouldn't have happened. So that's where acceptance comes in. That's really the practice of renunciation. When things happen that we don't like, is that letting go, that letting go of of our ideas. One of the things in my personal life that was very um, impactful in my life, uh, I had a lot of problems with um, chronic pain in my life. And... um, for years, I struggled with the pain, you know, and I just had this idea that, you know, I'd finally be happy if I could get rid of it, you know, and, you know, it wasn't going away, you know, and always in the back of my mind, there's going to be some magic thing that would finally get rid of it. And then I'd be happy. And um, and at some point with practice, you know, it really became clear to me that um, I may never it may never go away. And that I didn't have to hold on to that idea anymore. And it was like a huge weight had been taken off my shoulders, it was a huge burden that I set down. And um, that happiness just became a lot more available to me when I let go of that idea that somehow I had to wait for something to change. Um I remember in high school, you know, always, you know, oh, how many more days till the semester's over? You know, like I had to wait for that till I could relax. Um, so the other things we let go of internally might be our resentments. Um, how many of us harbor resentments we've had from things that happened to us 20 years ago, uh, sometimes towards our parents, towards old friends, lovers, uh, you know, those resentments are things that keep our heart contracted. Um, Suzuki Roshi said, um, renunciation is not giving up the things of this world, but accepting that they go away. So everything is impermanent. Every one of us is impermanent. Every thought we have, everything, everything goes away. And um, it's not that we shouldn't feel sadness ever at a loss. If we lose someone we love, we lose a friendship. Um, we, you know, we lose what we value. Um, but it's an attitude of embracing that loss. Yes, that's how life is. Instead of resisting the reality, uh, pretending that we shouldn't lose who we love that we shouldn't lose what we want, that things shouldn't go away. I remember visiting my mother, um, uh, and within minutes of arriving at her house, I hadn't seen her for a while, she asked, um, you know, how long are you staying? And this was like an ongoing thing. Every time, it didn't matter, you know, every time, no matter how many days I said I'd stay, uh, she'd get this distressed look on her face because she already knew I was going to be gone, and um, you know that's what we often do. A lot of us are often in that state of like you know wanting to keep what we want, wanting to keep it. One of the tricky areas of renunciation is that sometimes we might renounce something externally. Such as, so you know, has anybody giving, given up television? A few people. Uh, has anybody been felt righteous about giving up television? <laughs> um, you know, so often, <laughs> somebody raised their hand, okay. Um, so often, you know, we give things up externally, but internally we're still grasping, we're still clinging. So renunciation, again, it's about freeing the heart. And so often we renounce things in stages. We might do something outwardly, like renounce TV, and then we see how much we're holding on to the idea of, aren't I great? You know, and then we work on that. Uh, there's a classic story, many of you have heard this, of the, these two monks who are, um, you know, walking in the woods, and they reach a stream. And they notice at the stream there's a woman carrying a big bag you know, a big basket full of food, and she's got a long dress, and, you know, she's hesitating crossing the stream. So the elder monk, you know, goes over to her and offers to carry her. So she accepts that he carries her across the stream. Um, they get to the other side. Both monks say goodbye to her, and then they go off and keep walking. And after about 15 minutes of walking, the younger monk very upset, says to him, how could you pick her up? We're monks. We're not supposed to touch women. And the older monk says, are you still carrying her? I dropped her off at the stream 15 minutes ago. (laughs) So so what we do and how we feel about it can be very different things. Sometimes um, people renounce um, things for the wrong reason. Uh, sometimes people renounce relationships. They might renounce sex, uh, careers, possessions. Um, but they might do it not because of the uh, aspiration towards freedom, uh, but because they're afraid of life. They're afraid of being hurt. They're afraid of failure. So... Again, you know, when we look at what we do externally, we have to be very careful at what we're doing internally. Sometimes people renounce things because they have this idea of what a spiritual person does. And they're trying to hold up to some ideal. Sometimes people have some very deep puritanical ideas that all pleasure is wrong. And it's very deep under there. And that's their motivation for letting go of things. External renunciation without doing the inner work uh, can even strengthen clinging um, if any of you are familiar with um, you know any form of addiction you know uh, food addiction uh, smoking alcohol um, I don't know if you know if you've noticed that um, if you Deprive yourself of the object of addiction for quite a period, and then go back to it. A lot of people have this rebound binging, where they actually cling even more. They have they're kind of making up for all their missed, uh, you know, missed smokes or missed um, alcohol, Um, and so that's when we do we try to um, stop and renounce from the outside only. So renunciation has to be both in the outside and the inside. Um, The other thing we find sometimes that's very tricky in giving things up, some people uh, are very disciplined. Um, But even though they're very disciplined, Uh, You know, they can give up something like that. I've seen people who they say, "Okay, I'm no longer doing this and they're done. It's it's you know, they don't even have to struggle. You know, you know, it's nice. You can admire someone like that. Wow. They just, you know, make a decision and they just do it. Wow. And but sometimes people do that and that's very easy, but they're grim. And they're not happy. They're just kind of, you know, I can do this, you know, very tight and contracted. So that's another thing to, again, to to look for in ourselves. Renunciation brings freedom. It brings lightness. It brings happiness. So if we're not feeling happy, then we're really not renouncing. Um, One of my favorite Ajahn Chah quotes is... um, if you go a little, if if you let go a little, you will have a little happiness. If you let go a lot, you will have a lot of happiness. If you let go completely, you will be completely happy. You can't really tell from the outside if someone's renouncing. Um... For instance, someone might be driving a really expensive car, and the reason they're driving the car is because um, they know it's really safe for their kids, and that's why they made their choice. Somebody else might be driving the same car, and their motivation is because you it gives them a lot of status. So from the outside, you can't really tell. Same thing with um, alcohol. You could have three people. The first person, you know, they they don't particularly like alcohol. You know, they can take it or leave it. It never was particularly great, you know, and so they don't drink it. The second person, they drank excessively for a while. Um, They realized it was harmful. They stopped drinking. And it took some effort, but they were able to do it, and they hardly, they, they don't even think about it anymore. The third person... Um, they have a genetic predisposition to alcoholism. And for them, you know, they, you know, stop drinking, but it remains the temptation for life. And so the level of inner work each one of these people have to do is tremendously different. With a third person really having to do very, very deep work in renunciation. Uh, so, but from the outside, you can see, well, they're not, none of them are drinking. Sometimes um, things we cling to just fall away all by themselves. When you practice and you work on renunciation, one area, the process of renunciation um, has a very deep effect on our psyche. It's not all linear. Like I'm going to renounce this, and this is what happens today. Sometimes you're working here, but something else lets go, and. For instance, um, there's a period of time when uh, I was a compulsive science fiction reader, and I would read at least three books a week. And I would, if it was a good book, I'd stay up all night reading it, having to go to work the next morning, exhausted because I hadn't slept. And I did this for quite a number of years, and um, it never occurred. It never occurred to me to stop doing that, but one day it just—I just stopped doing it very often, and then it kind of dropped off. I never made the choice, you know. After many years, it just kind of went away. I had a huge collection. I gave it to my sister. <laughs> um, but there was no renunciation needed. There was nothing to renounce because it had just dropped off uh could someone turn off the air conditioner it, it's it's a little cold someone knows how to well which since i brought up the air conditioner i'll bring up the next thing um, chasing comfort how many of you have uh, felt the air conditioning was a little cold while you're meditating yeah how many of you had to deal with that in your minds? Yeah. Um, so that's a very common thing that we do all the time in chasing comfort in our own minds. Um, you know, it's interesting because, you know, the reason I'm, I actually asked for someone to turn it down is because I'm finding that... Um, I'm shivering a little bit, <laughs> even though I have this. I guess it's blowing right on me, so my voice is feeling like it's about to shake a little bit from the from the cold. Um, but um, but I was really watching that very you know very carefully because I knew I was going to talk about this during the talk, and and so it's a really great example. And how many of you have air conditioning in your cars? And do you, how many of you fiddle with it a lot? Yeah, you know, some of you do. Where you on and off, on and off, a little cooler, a little warmer. You know, one of the things that happens when we're continuously trying to get comfortable is that we lose our capacity to be uncomfortable. Uh, we limit our ability to uh, to be with difficult things when we're always trying to get our environment just right. Let me get it just the right temperature just the right lighting oh it's a little too noisy it's a little too this a little too that so the more we try to control our environment the less we're able to deal with things when they're not in our control um, life is always changing things are always not going our way all the time. Some of the times they're going our way, some of the times they're not. And when we get used to and are always trying to make everything just the way we want it, um, we're in resistance when things aren't. Um, By, you know, the food has to taste just right. Uh, how picky are you about your coffee? You know, the right temperature, the the right amount of milk, or if you sweeten it, you know, how picky have, have we become over all the stuff? So if if something's in just the way we want it, we're we're it just isn't quite right. Um, we get very um, very hooked into continuously trying to manipulate our lives to get more comfortable. Get a little more pleasure. Um, so if we're suddenly confronted by illness, uh, by really difficult physical issues, um, you know, do we have the balance of mind to deal with difficulties when we have a little bit of trouble dealing with the air conditioner kicking on, and we're unhappy because the air conditioner kicked on? Um, The other thing that uh, that we look at with chasing, what do we chase? Um, many many of us are frequently chasing experience, wanting new and new and new experience. Maybe we want um, you know a dinner tonight and and a movie and uh, oh I saw that movie okay how about this one how about that one um, you know. Every moment, you know, triggering a new desire. We do one thing, now we want something else. We do one thing, we want something else. And, um, you know, a new car, a bigger house. I mean, we all have different levels of desires, you know. We want more money or we want more status, um, more respect, um, more toys, more information. Uh, sometimes we're, you know, on the Internet and you're looking something up that might be totally useful. You know, it might be really helpful. And suddenly you're just going, well, there's a link to here and a link to there and a link to there. And you're, you're totally lost in that desire from one thing to another to another. And, um, you know, and never actually just relaxing into the now. There's always something in front of us, something new to want. We're not monks, you know, so for, you know, for monks, you know, they renounce, um, you know, they renounce sex, relationships, uh, Theravada monks don't eat afternoon, uh, you know, they live very, very simple lives. And, but we're lay people, you know, and as lay people, you know, we partake in the wonderful things of life in this world, um, with good friends, good food, the arts, music, um, they're all, you know, great books. Some of us like sports. There's a lot of wonderful things in life that we can partake in. Uh, but as we develop renunciation, it's not that we need to give these things up. It's the idea that we can enjoy and appreciate these things, but we don't need them. We don't have to have them. We... Um, We don't have to define our lives by all these temporary things that come and go. Um, Because we know they're not going to really bring us any lasting happiness. Um, For instance, I used to love to play racquetball. It was like a huge part of my life. It was really fun. You know and one day i couldn't play anymore i had an injury and it was over you know no more no more racquetball you know and it's so easy to all of a sudden this huge chunk of my life was gone and it cost me a lot of suffering because you know i it was a huge loss and um so you know the the with renunciation we're trying to do is to enjoy these things when we have them And let them go when we don't. And not go chasing them continuously so that we're continuously wanting and wanting, wanting. We're looking for happiness that's not dependent on the conditions of our life. If we have nothing, we're happy. If we have lots of stuff, people who love us, we're happy. So it doesn't really matter what's going on in our lives. Um One of the questions we can ask ourselves um, is if are there activities in our lives or things in our lives that it might be helpful to do without or to limit? I think that's a really great question to ask periodically. You know maybe a couple of times a year to really sit down with it. Is there something in our life that would be helpful to stop doing or to or to um, re-examine? You know things that are typical things might be you know watching television, how much time we spend on the computer. Um, a lot of us can can use limiting that time, Uh shopping, complaining. You know, a lot of people don't realize that complaining is a really harmful activity to our psyche. And um, how many people enjoy listening to somebody complain? Um, so, you know, it's, it actually causes harm to the people around us. We don't even think about that. Um, gossiping. Eating sweets. What are the things we might want to limit? or stop altogether. For some of us, a really important area to renounce is being constantly busy. There are so many worthwhile things to do in this world, and we have access to so many of them. But if we do too many of them, we have no peace in our lives. We're continuous. It's harmful to our, our peace of mind. If we're continuously, okay, now we're going to this seminar and this thing and this thing that's good for me. And then, I'm, you know, I'm joining this group and and I have these 50 friends I want to be close to in, in uh, Facebook and, um, you know, so you know what? How busy are we keeping our lives in ways that we don't have to, and ways that aren't helpful? So the two questions I ask is how well am I spending my time? And what's the quality of that time? So if I'm doing something I really love, you know, am I really loving it? Am I really there, present, or am I rushing on to the next thing on my list, on my schedule? Um anybody here of Peace Pilgrim? She was, um, she was this really great woman in the, in the fifties, you know, who was, um, you know, she never, she didn't want to give anybody her name or anything. You know, she basically renounced everything in her life except, I think, the clothes she wore. She had a a comb and anything else? A pencil and paper. And, uh, she wandered around the U.S., Canada, and Mexico for many years. And she, you know, ate when, you know, people offered her food and she slept when, you know, wherever she was or if somebody offered her a place to stay. She just kind of went along and her, she wore this, she had, I guess, one shirt, two shirts, you know, that she tr- changed Said peace pilgrim on it. And, you know, her basic idea was she just wanted to, you know, promote a message of peace wherever she went. And... um yeah, so she just walked everywhere, and um the story that comes to mind was there was this woman um uh, that she ran into in in a small town, and the woman was you know her kids are grown, she'd retired, and she was living in this big four bedroom house, and she was really unhappy she spent and it it was full of antique furniture. You know, stuff that had been in the family, it had all this meaning. And she would spend, you know, every day up and down, you know, dusting, cleaning, fixing things in the house, taking care of her yard, you know. And her life was really grim. She she wasn't happy. So when she met Peace Pilgrim, you know, she asked her, you know, what do you like to do? They said, oh, I love to sing and I like to swim. And so, um, you know, she counseled her, you know, to sell her house, sell all her stuff, which the woman actually did and moved into a small apartment and took up swimming and singing in a choir. And she transformed her life to a life that was really happy and fulfilling for her. So letting go, we let go and we know we're announcing if it brings us a likeness and a joy in our lives. Um. Meditation retreats are a form of temporary renunciation. Um, the retreats in our tradition, you know, we do them in silence. We don't read. We don't write. Um, no sex. No um, We don't have much control over our food, you know, um, and the schedule, you know, they tell us what to do, when to go meditate, when to go walk, when to eat. You know, you sort of give up control of making all those choices in, in your life. And what's amazing is that the retreats I've taken have been some of the most, some of the happiest times of my life. And I had very little. I was in a room with you know with a roommate who snored um, <laughs> and um you know, I had almost, you know very few possessions, just basically the clothes I needed, and um, there's nothing to do except be with myself, you know and but there was such a joy in that simplicity in that putting aside all the stuff of the world and just being quiet in that silence, um you know. Day after day, it was just, it's just been absolutely, um, beautiful. Really, um, I mean, some of it's hard. I mean, I, I don't want to give anybody's idea that you don't work hard on retreats because you can't. But, um, but again, you know, it's, it's a, you, you have, you maybe work hard for a while and then you have a lot of joy and a lot of freedom. And maybe work hard again. So it's a cycle of that. But um, but it really taught me how little I need to be happy. You know, I didn't talk to you know talk to anyone, conversation. You know, I often think you know, um, you know that I need to be you know with my husband you know to to feel good or you know nobody there. You know, it was um, it was really delightful. And another area that many of us cling to very, very tightly is our opinions. Um, we want to have the last word in an argument. Um, in a a year later, how many of you remember all the times you really had to be right, or any of the times you really had to be right, that it was really it felt like life and death you had to be right. you had to prove your point. When we're attached to our opinion and we're talking with someone else, um, even though what we might be saying really has a lot of wisdom, the actual meaning and the words and what you're really trying to say really might be a very smart, intelligent thing. When we're doing it with the attitude that, you know, you just have to prove your point and be right, communication ends. Because the other person is... You lose the connection with the other person. Uh, the other person is not someone you're, you're communicating with anymore. They're just somebody you have to uh, get one up on. You know, you lose your sensitivity to whether they can hear you, uh, whether they're actually listening to you. Um, someone said, um, you know, many of us would rather be right than be loved. Um, one of the things I want to um, I want to make sure I, I bring up is um, one of the in meditation itself. One of the most difficult things to renounce is our desire to think. Uh, most of us, you know, we get a juicy thought and we're often running. You know, so that's one of the practices a mindfulness practice can really bring up, you know, is that very quiet moment. You have this little moment when you're on the breath, you're on the breath, and this little tempting tendril of thought is saying, is calling, you know. And it just looks so much more interesting than the breath, so much more interesting. And, you know, to give that up, that's renunciation, And that renunciation absolutely leads to more freedom. One of the concepts that I find helpful in dealing with um you know we all have these um conflicting uh, you know, h- how many of you have had a, an experience where you really know you want to stop doing something, you know, and intellectually, you know, but somehow you don't do it or you want to start exercising and, you know, yep, I really want to do that. And somehow you don't do it. It's like, you know, what's going on, you know? And, um, I had, you know, Tenis Bhikkhu, who sometimes teaches here, he's a, a monk from San Diego. Um, he talks about that the mind is actually, um, can actually be seen as a committee. Um, so there's like all these voices in there. Now, if you pay attention to the voices in your mind, some of them will sound suspiciously like your mother and father, uh, you know, maybe some teacher, maybe a scared little kid, maybe a bully. Um, There's like all these different voices inside our minds, and some of them are really loud and assertive and aggressive. Some of them are kind of quiet. They're hard to hear. And what's really helpful is when we really um, look at our minds as, oh, that's just this one voice. Oh, it's that voice. It lets us not identify with those voices, uh we tend to when the voice is loud and insisting we immediately grab onto it and go, that's me you know, but another day, you know, it's a different voice is speaking, you go, Oh, that's me. And so by really beginning to understand that the voices inside our mind that that have these impulses, these desires, uh, this clinging are are just thoughts. They're not who we are. They're thought patterns. There may be repeated patterns that come from years and years of you know of you know saying these things inside our brains, but uh they're not who we are. And with mindfulness practice, as we become more and more mindful of our thoughts, we can begin to create some space around these voices, and so we have a choice of how we act and we're not automatically drawn into them. Um, the other thing that's really helpful with um, renunciation, the actual process of letting go, um, is being mindful in the body. Uh, for instance, uh, let's say we're um, uh, what, let's say we're trying to let go of the habit of gossiping, and we're we'll at work. And, um, a couple of people are standing next to us and they're talking about something that really perks your interest and you know something about the situation and you just can feel all that, that, you know, oh, wow, that's really juicy. That's going to be really fun sharing that, you know, but really the truth of it is, 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 you know, sharing this gossip is actually a harmful thing, both to ourselves and to the people around us. And, And if we go to our body at that time when we're about to do this, how do we feel? How does it feel to be about to gossip? You know, it's the contraction, the, the, um, that impulse. It allows us to have a center, uh, a reference point from which to live our lives. By staying grounded in the body, when that impulse goes out there, like, oh, yeah, you know, no, no, come back right here, back into the body. It gives us a little bit of room. Oh, yeah, take a deep breath. Oh, yeah, look how that feels, that that feeling. It's like it feels like it's going to burst out of my chest. I want to do this so bad. Um, You know, they just settle in. Just allow yourself to go back in the body. Um, renunciation is a gradual process. It doesn't happen all at once. Um, Sister Surapana, she's uh, a nun who I really, really love what she writes, and she said we have two choices: um, we can want to do something and do it, or we can want to do it and not and not do it. Okay, those are two choices. But if we do it. Don't feel guilty about it. Now, that's a really interesting concept because um, she says, you know, um, do one or the other. Either do it or don't do it. Do it totally and learn from it either way. So if you're caught by guilt, by judgment, self-hatred because you think you should be doing it, then there's no opportunity for learning, for understanding. Uh so let's say you're you've decided to give up sweets and um you know there's this great piece of chocolate cake you're not able to resist. And so a lot of people will eat the cake and half enjoy it and half torture themselves with guilt. And what she's saying is instead of drop the guilt and instead of, of um Responding with guilt, respond with curiosity. Okay, I'm indulging myself. What is this experience really like? How does it actually feel um, to want this cake so badly? How does it feel to um, the actual experience of eating it? Is there something I can learn here? And, um, you know, what we're looking for is not to restrain ourselves out of... um, out of willpower, but to let things go because we understand they're not helpful to us. Um, the Buddha said that um, what we do when we... Um, that there's four types of actions that, that we take. Um, we, things we like to do that are, that are good, that give good results. Uh, things we don't like to do that give bad results. Things we like to do that give, things that we like to do that give bad results. And things we don't like to do that give good results. OK, so of those four things, I'll go I'll go over them in a sec. OK, but uh, the first are not a problem, because, for instance, um, if we like to do it and it gives good results, you know, like like we all like getting a good night's sleep. It gets good results. No problem. You know, or um, we don't like being late to appointments, you know. And so that's not a problem either. You know, we don't like to do it. Uh, being late and, you know, and it gives a bad result, not, not a problem. But where the issue is, is when the things we, we like to do, they give bad results, you know, such as eating a lot of sugar uh, or things we don't like to do, but give good results. Like sometimes people don't like to exercise and exercise gives good results. Um, he said that What we do with those two, the second two, is the measure of a person's wisdom. He didn't say it's a measure of our willpower. He said it's a measure of our wisdom, of our understanding. When we do what's difficult because it's the right thing, it comes out of wisdom. If we do it out of willpower, we're missing something. And so it it has a much greater softness in how we treat ourselves. Instead of like a taskmaster making us do what's right, it's a quality of, let's find out, you know, let's really explore, investigate our experience. What is it really like? It's a much kinder way. Renunciation is an act of compassion for ourselves. It's to stop us from suffering. It's to make us happy. Renunciation is an attitude. It's a way of approaching life where we give up trying to find our fulfillment in the experiences in life, in needing life to be in any particular way. It's a movement towards non-contention with life. To be open in a fearless way. And to relax into our lives. To be here, regardless of what life brings us. That's renunciation. Renouncing involves two things. The letting go, which is, has a little bit of an unpleasant, painful, a feeling of loss. And when we finally do let go, it brings joy. So that's why renunciation is difficult because every renunciation is a loss. Uh, I think Stephen Cope said, spiritual growth is a process of grieving (laughs) because we're always letting go of something. And that always is a little bit difficult. And that's why... You know, as I mentioned before, it's so important to be able to get more and more comfortable with being uncomfortable. But once we let go, it brings us lightness and joy. So, thank you. And we have a few minutes for if anybody has any comments or questions. Um, I would like to talk about the areas, any areas in your life that that you think you'd like to um, uh, explore in renouncing. Yes.
1: Uh, Maybe you could give a few words about balancing uh, willpower and the wisdom because I feel like in some things, maybe small things that I renounce, it starts off with willpower. They, they, they shift. Sometimes there's willpower for support, and sometimes, I don't know, there, there tends to be, the wisdom kind of grows over time for me where you're like, oh, okay, I'm glad I made that decision. But uh, maybe you could speak to that. Oh. Yeah,
0: so so we're talking about this effort. You know, um, it takes effort to do anything, right? And some things take more effort. So, uh, so when we, the, what makes us able to sustain effort is knowing that it's the right thing. So that's what, what nourishes the effort. That's it, It's staying connected with why we're doing what we're doing. That's what keeps bringing us the balance. So when we're putting out too much effort and contracting around the effort, uh, keeping in mind our purpose for what we're doing. And if what we're doing is to be happy, you know, just keeping that as the um, overarching factor. Um, you know, remembering that that's what our whole practice is about is happiness. So if we're sitting there concentrating and you know trying to stay on that breath and grasping, oh, you know, this is supposed to be fun. <laughs> you know, meditation supposed to be relaxing. You know, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so having um, a concept. Is, can really help restore the balance between the two. It's really the balance between, um, um, you know, in meditation, for instance. I don't know if you're talking in daily life, you know. Uh, but in meditation, we talk about the balance between being tranquil and alert. You know, you need that effort for alertness, and you need the relaxation to go with it. That's where the balance is. Um.
1: Uh, I was just on that retreat where he's having you work so hard, noting. And yes. so sometimes I feel like there was... I was at the retreat for maybe, you know, wise purposes, but you're working your ass off, but you, you know. And so sometimes it's 100% effort, and then you're like, oh, I kind of lost track of why I'm here, but you're noting, noting, noting. So yeah. uh, that's sort of the context out of which that came.
0: Yeah, okay, I understand. <laughs> yeah, It's, it's he's, he's a very... Um, a little bit of a fierce teacher in the way that he teaches that, you know, and um, it's a noting practice. where You're noting like almost every second. Right. And that takes a lot of effort, a lot of effort. And um, I think for me, you know, there was a period of time, in my practice where, um, you know, I strained too hard, you know, and I was trying too hard. And, you know, I think it was Uta Janiya who was really helpful in putting it in context, you know, that. You know, of just relax the mind. You know, you can note, but stay relaxed. You know, it's it's forgetting that we're so focused on what we're doing, we're forgetting the attitude. You know, in um yeah, yeah, that's enough. Any other questions, comments? So, just close your eyes for a minute. And just take a couple of deep breaths. Really allow yourself to feel what it is to let go, to completely let go at this moment, this very moment. And anything that doesn't let go, it's okay. Let it be there. That's part of letting go. Being comfortable with the areas in us that might still be contracted at any given moment. It's enough to incline the mind to let go. May our time here tonight help us all let go of all the things inside ourselves that are unhelpful and to let the happiness and wisdom that's within all of us arise and grow. Thank you.